Welcome to the Core Women Podcast, the place for women entrepreneurs, authors, and self-starters looking to build community and gain valuable insights through expert interviews with women at the top of their game. Join your host, podcaster, producer, expert coach, entrepreneur, and author, Dr. Summer Watson, as she aims to inspire and empower you through these candid conversations. Lean in and embrace the journey. It's time to start the show. Here's your host, Dr. Summer Watson. Today on the show, I'd like to welcome Katie Harris, who is on a mission to gather bold female founders to grow together, share knowledge, and uplift and support each other. She also helps female leaders build their brands. We have so much to chat about today, Katie, so let's get right into this and welcome. Hi, Summer. Thank you so much for having me today. It is a pleasure. So before we delve into your professional journey, let's get into your personal journey. Let me ask you a question. Can you describe your life thus far in one word? I want to say slightly unconventional. Let's go with unconventional. (laughs) Okay. Why this word and why is it meaningful to you? Well, I think just because I didn't take the usual routes in in a few different areas. You know, I had a child young. I didn't find my financial or my ambition for many, many years because I was focusing on other things we might touch on later. But so again, that was slightly unconventional. I've been working as a remote solopreneur for eight years. I guess that's slightly, not not now so much, but that was slightly unconventional. I'm a bit of a lone wolf in that regard. I'm so comfortable in my own company. We'll go with that word. I like it. But a little bit unconventional. Unconventional. I like it. And as we get into your journey, I think it will kind of unfold as to your why and why unconventional and how this kind of correlates with your journey a bit. So. Let's talk about your past and some of the significant experiences that have influenced your journey and where you are today. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, and this again comes, comes back to unconventional, if we go right back to the beginning. So when I was one and a half, my mom left my dad, which was unusual at the time. And there was a, a few years later, there was a court case and my dad was given custody. Very, very unusual at those times, but he was in a more secure position. He had a house, he'd found a new partner. So I was put in my dad's custody and I was very happy with my dad. You know, we have an absolutely wonderful relationship with like I have with both my parents, but it was quite unusual. And I and I guess, you know, if we can look back, it's interesting, isn't it, when you're doing soul searching about yourself and why you do things. And it's very easy for me to hypothesize about this sort of occurrence and think, okay, well, that probably led me to become a fairly independent person. Of course, these things can go both ways, but I think for me that influence of my mum, major presence in my life from such a young age at one and a half, just not being there because I didn't see her for a year. And then we would see each other on holidays. So it was quite sort of sporadic. And I think that influence has given me a, a level of independence. And so I would say I can be fiercely independent in some areas of my life. But, you know, and I had had a very good upbringing. And certainly from my parents, I felt like they always loved me. They were always behind me and they always believed in me. I don't think they instilled in me sort of fierce ambition. There are times in my life where I wish they had, but you know, we we, we sort of, and I didn't instill that in myself for whatever reason. 
I'm very creative. I'm very, you know, I'm always doing something with my hands. My mum was a painter. I used to love painting. I went to art school in London, Chelsea School of mm. Art, and I was a painter. That was my dream. And I've done lots of different things. So my career has been quite unconventional. I made lampshades at one point before I went online and started doing marketing. So it's been quite varied. And then, of course, I had my daughter young. I was 22. And that was not planned. But it was a part of my life that I loved. I absolutely adored and loved being pregnant. I loved being in our family. And I loved raising her as every aspect of raising her. But I was in a little bubble when, when I was pregnant and giving birth and all that, all that jazz. It, it sort of really worked <laughs> for me. You know, I was 22 when I gave birth. So my body was ripe for it. I was strong. I was fit. I believed in myself, in my capability as a childbearing woman. And that really worked in my favor, I think. And then her, myself and my daughter's father, Joe, broke up when she was three or four. So it was young and it was heartbreaking. It was one of the most difficult parts of my life and decisions of my life. And then four years later, he ended up ending his life. So mm. then obviously the, the trajectory of our lives, myself and my daughter, well, changed. The world became a black hole. We were living in trauma. And so my main focus became creating a safe bubble for Maya. Does she feel safe? Does she feel loved? Can I make her feel more secure? And so that was my focus. It wasn't, can I, can I stay at work late? Can I build my empire? There was none of that at all. That came much, much, much later for me when she was doing her degree and I knew she was stable. She was good. She was on a good path. She was feeling strong in herself. And that's when I started to think, hmm, right, I'm quite young. I've got another, probably double this lifetime ahead of me. What should I do? What am I going to do? And also people were warning me, you're going to feel empty nest syndrome and it's going to be horrible. You know, people were saying these things that made it sound like such doom and gloom. And so I started preparing in a really intentional way. I would get my felt tips out and my big sheets of paper and I would start to to sort of vision. And I think around that time I read Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And it was very much about thinking and leaning into being playful with what you want in your life and not letting anything hold you back from at least dreaming. What could I do? I could do anything in the world. If nothing was holding me back, what would I do? And the thing that came through for me was travel. So that's when the seed was planted to start working online. And from that point, I'd been hand-stitching lampshades in a basement in Bristol, selling them to various places. It wasn't a successful business in financial regards, but I did get them into Liberty of London, which I was really proud of. And I, it was my first entrepreneurial venture and I loved it. But then I decided, okay, if I want to travel, I'm not really going to be lugging around all these lampshades and cotton and threads. So how do I do this? <laughs> So I decided I need to go online. And then things started to change. And that's when I started to become more career focused in a different way. Now that I knew Maya was settled. That is such an interesting journey. I want to go back a few steps and talk about the whole idea of being fiercely ambitious. Let's talk more about that. What does that mean to you? And how did you make that shift into I don't know if we call it fiercely ambitious, but knowing your purpose and knowing your why. 
Yeah, I mean, I think for me, it's interesting. I would say, I mean, I've been blessed with certainly my father, who's very good at curious thinking and choosing words carefully and always been blessed with this encouragement from him to create space and to actually think intentionally about what I would like in my life. But I also think that when I read that book, because I was kind of bimbling along, I had this child and I was really happy and I was raising her and she was young. And then, of course, when she was age seven, her father wasn't there anymore. And that was very, very, very traumatic. And that then became, well, it was just my focus. You know, there was nothing else. It was, let's survive this. I was still working, working part time around school and everything and still being able to get to school gates. So I would say really, it was me knowing that that she was becoming strong and secure and that I had that space to sort of to step back and think about myself more. And I wanted to do that then. I didn't want, it wasn't an interest to me before. She was more important. But then I read that book, Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. And it's interesting because it's such a simple book, but it was so profound. It really helped to shape the next stage of my life. And it helped me to sort of think outside the box, think in different ways. And I didn't really become financially driven as much as I am now at that point, it was still more about really sort of tapping into my inner needs and what those were and, and feeling into where I wanted to be and go and, and that kind of thing. I think I've always been fiercely driven in some kind of way, but it's been in different ways throughout my life. And so as I've got older, that I've become more interested in the making money and also the fact that while I was raising Maya, I didn't have money. I was fighting fires. I was late with my rent often. I couldn't pay the bills. I was working part-time around the school pickup. And my story was money's hard. I don't know how to deal with it. I never have enough of it. I don't know how to be one of those people who buys houses and and sort of does all this sensible stuff. Like, I don't know how to do that. You know, it wasn't my reality for so long that I had the space to start working on that, you know, and then I became driven in that area too. And I love hearing that because a lot of times my partner and I, for the Life, Love and Money show, we'll talk about our money DNA and we'll talk about what we learned, how we were conditioned to understand money was money talked about? And many times for women, we are told, ah, don't worry about money, or that's not something you talk about. Money's not what you talk about in groups. And yet that has to change <laughs> because it certainly is something we need to talk about, something that we use every single day, something that we need to earn, something we make, something that provides a life, a living, a this, a future, and so forth. And so I love that you talk about having that shift, having that different purpose, having the space to think about Katie. You've thought about Maya and raising her and knowing that she's safe and she's courageous and modeling for her over the years. Now it was time for you to make a change. Let's talk about one of those changes. And that one-way ticket you bought to take from the UK to Indonesia and the impetus for this move. 
Yeah. So again, this was from the book. It was been inspired. You know, what are, what are some of the things you would love to do if you could? One of them was swim with turtles, be in, be in a tropical environment and experience a different culture. So my first foray was to India where I went for three months. And at that point, I was already working online and I was sold. I got the bug, as it were. So then I came back to England for a year, got some more finances together and bought my one-way ticket to Indonesia. And just, I didn't necessarily want to travel around, but I wanted to live in a different culture, work from a different area. And I knew that living in Bali in particular, there's a huge entrepreneurial network. So I knew I would be in good hands in this area. So you have kind of the best of both worlds. You've got this entrepreneurial expat network and you also have this wonderful and this is what I didn't know a lot of when I came was the the local people here in Bali and the surrounding islands are just the most beautiful kind-hearted oh soul-enriching people you know any anytime I leave my door I met with so many big genuine kind-hearted smiles and it's just so different coming from London you know I moved here straight from North London and it's just such a different environment. The respect for the elderly people is just so beautiful and heartwarming here. Just there's so many things that have touched my heart with being here. Yeah, I would say that that idea, that action that you took to buy that ticket and to make and take that action to live somewhere that you weren't necessarily familiar with and then also start building a business in this space. So that was fiercely courageous, <laughs> I would say. You know, I live in a, lived in a different country, but the circumstances were different as to why I lived in the, a different country. Yes, it was by choice, but you uprooted yourself from London and decided I'm going to move somewhere else. Now that I get to think about me and myself, you were able to do that and you made the choice to move to Indonesia. Now, let's talk about how that's worked out for you, how your business has blossomed as an entrepreneur, and how you've continued to develop that business. Tell us more. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, I geared towards this, so I got all my work online. And and the way that started was quite nice and serendipitous in that I had been hand-stitching these lampshades. And then I heard that there was a a job going through a lampshade connection that the UK's main supplier of lampshade making bits needed someone to manage their social media. So the first job I took on was managing their social media. I made their blog for them and I created their community in Facebook, which was actually one of the, the, the most enjoyable experiences of managing a community I've had because that community of creative ladies who made lampshades in their basement or in their spare room or in their bedroom or their living room was such a wonderful community that was so supportive and, and always cheering each other on and swapping different techniques and everything. So I started, you know, I had a really good job. I landed in a really good job. And then it just went from there. So working for different entrepreneurs or agencies or influencers or different small businesses, a really wide variety. And so it, in that regard, it was quite easy for me to take my work with me. And I settled into that world really, really quite easily. And I've spoken to lots of people who find it difficult working on their own. Obviously, lots of we were all thrown into it during COVID, but I am very comfortable. I like doing deep work. I feel like I'm always in deep work. <laughs> I, I remember hearing the concept of deep work and I was like, but isn't that just work? <laughs> like, <laughs> how 
hard work. <laughs> Let's talk about that. What do you define as deep work versus just throwing yourself into work? Let's have a caveat here. I haven't read any of the books on deep work. <laughs> but I would say for me, and especially because over the latter years, I've, I've, I've taken on more of the role of content writing and copywriting. So, And that especially is me putting myself in a very, very, very quiet space and thinking very, very deeply, either working from a transcript or a recording or, you know, and, and gathering uh, lots of different bits of information to, I'd say, I'm not trying not to use the word deep again, in a very focused way as to how to sort of best put these words together to create the desired outcome of reaching that particular target market and their pain points, et cetera. And for me, that's not something I can do in a cafe surrounded by people who might come and interrupt my train of thought, which, you know, then it takes can take me a while to sort of get back into it. It feels like it's almost like I'm anchored to the ground and I'm underwater. <laughs> no, I absolutely understand what you're talking about. Because I think what I'm hearing too is you're a creative, but then you need to create your space to be able to do the stuff that you are producing, that you are creating. So whether or not it is a picture with, with oils or paints or a lampshade, you now switched to creating copy and content where your creative genius goes to work and then you take a deep, deep dive into that work to really have that blossom and really create what you want it to look like and to meet the pain points and make sure you're speaking to the right audience and such. So I absolutely understand that because I was an English major in undergrad. And so I had to take some time. And my mom used to say, you were kind of strange, Summer. You could listen to the radio and you could do all these kinds of things and read and then write. And I could. I, mm. I really could. And I still, to this day, I have an iPad next to me and I'll put something on for some white noise and then I'll get into my writing or I'll get into that creative mode and I'll get into that really deep space. So I think we all have our own strategy, our own process. My daughter, she's like you. She has to work with the TV on. She always did. And it used to make me cringe because, you know, I'm like, you should, you should be focusing, you know. But that's what she does. She's always done it. She still does it to this day. <laughs> we each have our own process. And I needed it because I like that additional stimulation. And just mm. knowing that there was something else there with me. <laughs> I don't know. It was just really kind of strange. <laughs> and so my mom used to be the same way. How do you do that? Shouldn't you turn that off? Are you going to be able to concentrate? Nope, I can. I really can. And I've done it all my life. So, you know, and what there's another similarity here. When I was living in Okinawa, Japan, I had just gotten finished with my doctorate. Um, in 2005, we got, my husband was in the, in the military. We moved to Okinawa. And after I moved to Okinawa, there were no jobs for me. There were no jobs for a lot of spouses there. It's a small island, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I thought, I had just worked five years on this doctorate. What am I going to do? You know what I started doing? I started making lamps. No way. <laughs> so I would get these really cool bottles, and I taught myself how to drill holes in the back 
of the bottle with a diamond bit and oil and clay and all this stuff and got the right drills. And I started making holes and I started putting lights in them and making these great designs around the bottles. And I started a business to create (laughs) lamps. Oh, we have to put those pictures somewhere. I've got some pictures of mine. You can put some pictures of yours. (laughs) I absolutely will. So I love that you're taking this really incredible journey it's courageous it's adventurous it's so many things so I want to also get to let's talk about how you're gathering female founders to support one another and the new group that you're creating so having worked one-to-one for years and having worked hourly for years actually and having you know still that money cycle of I don't know how to expand from this Mm -hmm. and that one thing I would say actually is just always get a mentor (laughs) do not wait (laughs) do not flail around for years you know as soon as you can get yourself a mentor in that regard actually in January of this year I I went from having been working with with other entrepreneurs and small businesses helping them with their strategy and writing their content for them to then deciding you know what I'm going to do this for myself now I'm going to change up the way I'm doing this and actually I don't I want to move from one to one I want to I want to work in groups I want to work groups of women there's something really magical that happens when we when we come together and just open our mouths and share and speak and support the support each other and share the wisdom that we have. We are powerful beings and there's something incredible that happens when we come together. So what I do is I help female founders to create powerful personal brands on LinkedIn. And the way that I'm doing that is I I do work one-to-one still, but I also am building up to creating a cohort. So it'll be, I don't know, something like four to six weeks um, and it'll be a cohort where a group of women goes through the different stages of building that powerful personal brand using LinkedIn as the vehicle. And something I'm about to launch very, very soon. And this this isn't deep work. I've been putting together the back end of a circle community. I wouldn't call that deep work, but my God, it's complicated. <laughs> All projects can be unique and complicated. I thought I could do it in a day. My daughter's like, yeah, maybe add on three weeks to that, mom. There will be a sort of free aspect and then there will be different tiers to it. But really for me, it's about bringing women together so that we can have a sharing space. That's going to be an aspect of it as well. We can gather live and we can go around and have a guided share. And it's all focused on brand building, you know, how, what we're experiencing at that moment. Because obviously there's so many layers to, to building our personal brand on LinkedIn. There's so many emotional layers that we that we have to peel off. And it's been really... It's been really a learning curve for me being able to be in the backseat, mostly with different companies, watching them peel off those layers and watching how if you don't peel off those layers, it's not really going to work. You have to sort of peel off certain layers of, of vulnerability and get brave about just getting out there, just getting out there, telling people your story and letting go of worrying about what people think, as long as you're presenting yourself as a kind person and as long as you're aligning yourself with your your business values, then you just you just have to get out there. And so this group is about helping people from that aspect, but also just from the operational aspect of, right, well, what, you know, what do I do? What's my daily checklist? What how do I do this in a way that's not wasting hours and hours of my precious time on a social media platform? How do I make sure that everything I'm doing 
is aligned with my business goals and is speaking to the target audience that I'm wanting to serve. Absolutely. And you're so right, Katie. When you own a business, it is always great to develop a community, a community that you can tap into, that you can be supportive with and to, and be accountable to, and also help them and celebrate successes and be vulnerable with. So I absolutely love that. I also like the idea of somewhat providing that structure that almost like templatizing in a way how you can have this too, how you can have a brand, how you know how to market your brand, knowing how what your demographic is, knowing the pain points. So all that strategy that comes along with building a business understanding how you're actually going to reach those people is so valuable. And to have that community is so special. I'll give you an example. I get a lot of times, well, from clients, I've asked my parents, I've asked my uncle, I've asked my sister, and I'm thinking, okay, well, let me ask you a question. Are those people solopreneurs or entrepreneurs? And they'll say no. And I'm like, okay, well, this is why you might be getting the answers you're getting because they don't necessarily have the experience and the insights of what it means to be either solo or entrepreneur. And it is so vital to create that community around you to be able to really be, take your, your business from startup to success with that community around you. Because the community is so important. Now, let me ask you something. Why not something like Instagram or Facebook? Why LinkedIn? Why is LinkedIn your medium, your platform? Tell us more because I do love LinkedIn, but I didn't necessarily consider it my home at first. I considered Instagram my social media home and then started developing another home at LinkedIn. So tell us how you started to develop your home at LinkedIn. Yeah, well, I came here dragging my my feet, actually. And shout out to Simon Parsons, who's a big guy on LinkedIn, who's yes, um, <laughs> uh, got an amazing audience. And he's he's built up a wonderful business here. And Simon and I met while we were doing Amy Porterfield's digital course online. So we met while we were doing that training, what, two, perhaps three years ago. And I obviously was already working online, mainly Using using LinkedIn at that point, not so much, but all using mostly Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, blogs, etc. And I, in fact, at that point was setting up my previous passion, which was landing happy, and I was mostly using Instagram. But Simon said, come over to, over to LinkedIn because it's a really amazing community. And I'm like, yeah, I don't really believe you. <laughs> You know, it's just like all the rest. But I I came along and I gave it a try. And actually, the way I gave it a try, I know myself, you know, I know that I need accountability. And he was then running his early days versions of his wonderful course, the uh, Leveraging LinkedIn, which was an eight-week boot boot camp. And so I was like, right, I need accountability. If I'm going to be over there, I need to make this work. I know myself. I know that I'm struggling with consistency a bit at the moment. So I joined his boot camp. And that's what changed everything because then... And I recommend this to everyone. When you're starting, get yourself a mentor and get yourself in some kind of boot camp on the main social media platform that you're working with. Because you you need that, you need that accountability. You need to be consistent. It won't work if you're not. 
And you need, and this is why I encourage people to build community early on, you need that energetic feedback loop to be completed as early as possible. And what I mean by that is you're going to be working 110% on your business, pouring out all this energy. And if you don't make those connections and those relationships as soon as possible, you won't have that energy come back to you. And you need that because when it gets really tough, you're in an echo chamber and you're not making those face-to-face connections and you're not building relationships. You've got nothing feeding you and you'll sit there and think, oh, I think I should give up. It's not working. So make those relationships as early on as you can. Get yourself a mentor and get yourself in a boot camp because that will give you so much energy to propel you forward. And I am still friends with many of those people that I met on Simon's Bootcamp today. And we still support each other and check in and have a phone call every now and then, you know, and that feeds me and it keeps me going. And we all need that. Oh, absolutely. I love all of that great wisdom and advice and guidance because I think LinkedIn is a very special place and there's some very incredible people there, such as Simon. He is wonderful. He is full of great knowledge and wisdom. He really is amazing, as are you. We have covered so many things here today. And as we come to the close of this interview, my last question for you is, Katie, if you were to leave the listeners with one tip to support their journey, what would it be? Well, I think it would summarize the three points that I just mentioned, and it would be don't do it alone. Us women can do it alone. We're really good at doing it alone. You know, I've done it alone for for years and you don't have to. And it's actually more fun and you learn more quickly and you advance more quickly if you if you do it with support. So I would say get yourself some support, whether that's from your your mentor or a group coaching program. Find the right person, do your research, but build build yourself a community and 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 do that with your audience too so as soon as you can get in the dms get on the phone with them speak to them build relationships and build yourself a community and it will feed you so much and keep you going thank you katie for joining me on the core women podcast today oh thank you so much it's been an absolute dream absolutely thank you so much you can follow katie harris on linkedin Thank you for joining us on the Core Women Podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Core Women and on Twitter at Core Women One. For more about Core Women and Dr. Watson, visit corewomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great. Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.